Book Two, Chapter Five of Saint Francis of Assisi, A Biography, by Johannes Jorensen, translated by Thomas O'Connor Sloan. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Book Two, Francis the Evangelist, Chapter Five, Saint Clara and San Damiano. While men sometimes must be satisfied to represent theory practice often outside of all theory is the vocation of woman no one ever realizes more fully a man's ideal than a woman once she is possessed by it this must not be taken to intimate that francis of assisi did not put into practice the gospel which he preached on the contrary but if one wishes to see the franciscan life in a form free from all enforced additions and unfavorable foreign influences one must above all others turn to his great female disciple st clara of assisi she was accustomed to call herself brother francis's plant she is really the flower of franciscanism and he who visits the places where she has lived inhales even after seven hundred years have gone the singularly pure and heart-gripping perfume of this flower clara was born in assisi in 1194 probably on july the 11th her father was favorino de scifi her mother ortolana of the fiume family belonging in sterpetto the family was noble on both sides and the scifi belonged to the most prominent family in assisi favorino bore the title of count of sassoroso the name of the cliff that rises over assisi his fortified palace is still shown to visitors near the Porta Vecchia, not far from the church of St. Clara. Ortolana gave him five children, a son, Basso, and four daughters, Penenda, Clara, Agnes, and Beatrice. It is told of Ortolana that she was a good and pious child, and among other things had undertaken such dangerous and prolonged pilgrimages as to the holy land to bury and to rome shortly before clara was born she is said to have received in prayer the promise of god that the child she was to bear would be a light for the whole world as a sequence thereof the child was given in baptism the name clara the bright in metaphorical rendering the celebrated one clara grew up in her home surrounded by the prosperity and order which are so favorable for the development of a sure and reasonable fear of god moral disorder leads almost invariably to poverty while the fear of god is useful for all things and has all promises for this life it is not only in our days that the answer to the question how shall i get on in the world has been fear god and keep his commandments for up to a certain degree it is also true what the apologists evidently pushed too far when they adduce as a proof of the superiority of a religion the statistics of its millionaires little clara at a very young age went beyond the usual degree of piety a favorite reading in her time was the stories of the lives of the old ascetics vitae patrum apparently clara had made early acquaintance with these legends 
in any case we read of her that she as a little girl greatly longed to wear a garment of horsehair and that she just as the hermit paul of ferme in historia lausica daily recited a great number of prayers which she kept count of with the help of little stones while she thus did penance herself she was like all the pious of the middle ages very zealous in giving to the poor thus clara grew up and became strong and beautiful at the age of fifteen years she had her first suitor and one pleasing in the highest degree to her parents when they spoke to their daughter about him they met to their surprise a certain resistance clara would not hear anything of marrying and when her mother pressed her for a reason the daughter admitted that she had consecrated herself to god and wanted nothing of any man this was more piety than favorino and ortolana had counted on the regular everyday christianity had in the middle ages just as in our days a great dislike for all that seemed to be too much of religion over and over again we are witnesses in the history of those times of the bitter disputes which father and mother carried on with sons and daughters whose fear of god seemed to them to go beyond the proper bounds of a good citizenship the sixteen-year-old clara must now fight this battle but she had the good fortune not to be without support in the contest it was at this precise time that francis whose conversion had attracted such attention in assisi was returning from rome with the papal permission to preach and now mounted the pulpit in san rufino a few steps from the Shifi palace here and in san giorgio's church clara heard him speak and from the first moment she saw him was convinced that such a life as he led was to be hers and that it was the will of god the two friars minor rufino and sylvester who were both of her family paved the way for her and followed by a female relative to whom tradition has given the name bona guelfucci she sought francis and laid open her heart to him francis had already heard the rumors about clara and wished as the legend says to rob the bad world of so noble a booty and enrich his lord therewith he advised her therefore openly to despise the world its vanity and perishability not to yield to the wishes of her parents in the matter of her marriage but to keep her body as a temple for god alone and not to have any bridegroom but christ from now on francis was clara's spiritual guide and under his direction she was seized by a stronger and stronger desire to take the final step and let all things go that did not purely and entirely belong to the duty of man to his god she could not see how it was any part of this obligation to give herself to a man because her parents wished it and when she it was in the lent of twelve twelve sat in st george's church and heard francis from the pulpit speak so wonderfully of despising the world of voluntary poverty of pining after heaven and of the nakedness of our crucified lord jesus christ and the insults and his most holy sufferings her heart burned in her the moment she left 
with the desire to take off her elegant clothes and to live like jesus and like francis in contentment labor prayer peace and joy at last her desire for the new life became so strong that she could not be any longer restrained but must change the mode of existence she had hitherto followed francis set the night after palm sunday as the time for her to change the joys of this world for grief for the suffering of our lord clara utilized this feast day march eighteen twelve twelve to say farewell to the world in the most solemn manner wearing her richest dress she went with her mother and sisters to church no one among the women and girls of assisi were in such festive attire as the beautiful fair-haired claire Sheafy on that day on palm sunday the church commemorates the entry of christ into jerusalem olive branches which represent palm branches are consecrated that day by the priest and are distributed to the congregation who go in procession through the church while the choir sings the beautiful old anthem pueri hebreorum portantes ramos olivarum obviaverunt domino clamantes et dicentes hosanna in excelsis with olive boughs in their hands the children of the jews went out to meet the lord crying out and saying glory be to god on high as the distribution of the consecrated olive branches was in progress and all who were in the church came forward to the altar rail to receive a branch from bishop guido who said mass there was only one who kept back and this one was clara Sheafy. her emotions on thinking of the great step she was about to take may well have overcome the young girl here in the same church she had knelt so many mornings in the past years at the side of her mother and of her small sisters and heard mass with them and never thought that it could be different and now to-day it was for the last time on this very day she was to say farewell to them forever without their knowledge and the following evening was to be the last she would spend in the home of her childhood and youthful days the thought of her mother's tenderness of her young sister's charms affections and confidence overcame clara all the many happy and strong bonds which years weave unnoticed around those who grow up in the same home in this solemn hour cut into and wounded her heart and she wept like the woman she was wept the tears the bride weeps when she leaves father and mother bishop guido saw her bowed head and sobbing form and understood her it is probable that francis had told him what was to take place in any event he took with fine sympathy the palm clara had not taken and brought it himself down to her in her place in the church clara carried her flight into effect the next night out of a back door which was blocked by a pile of wood which she had to remove herself she got out upon the street and led by bona guelfucci took the road to portiuncula the franciscans who had expected her went to meet her with torches 
and soon she was kneeling before our lady's image in the little chapel and gave to the world for love of the most holy and loved child jesus wrapped in poor rags in the manger her letter of divorce which she had written long ago she gave her shining dress into the hands of the brothers and received in its place a rough woolen robe such as the brothers wore she exchanged her jewelled belt for a common rope with knots upon it and after her golden hair had fallen before the scissors which francis plied she let her high stiff headdress lie upon the ground and covered her head instead with a tight black veil instead of her rich embroidered shoes which she had worn at the festival in the church she put a pair of wooden sandals on her naked feet she then took three vows of consecration and promised moreover like the brethren to obey francis as her superior after the change was over by which the high-born lady clara sheafy became sister clara francis took her the same night to the benedictine sisters convent of st paul near the village of isola romanesca now bastia where he had temporarily arranged for her reception it could not naturally be long unknown what had become of clara favorino and his relatives had quickly discovered her refuge and presented themselves at the convent to induce her to return but the eighteen-year-old girl was immovable neither prayers nor flattery nor promises availed and when the father and uncles proposed to use force she clung to the altar in the church as she threw her veil aside and showed her cropped hair for many days the family renewed their attempts to win back clara and francis found it at last to be the wisest course to transfer her to another convent sant'angelo and panso which also belonged to the benedictine sisters angry as favorino had been he now was more furious than ever when his young daughter agnes sixteen days after clara's flight also left her home and went to san angelo to be there received into the sister's life of her he had had great hopes she was engaged and the marriage already settled and now she was taken also with the same madness wild with rage and indignation he asked his brother mondalo to take twelve armed men and get agnes back the nuns in the convent of san angelo drew back alarmed from the weapons that confronted them and deserted agnes the young girl scarcely more than a child made a vigorous resistance and the men had to adopt strenuous measures blows and kicks were hailed upon her they pulled her by the hair and thus drew her out of the convent clara clara come out and help me the unhappy one cried in vain as locks of her hair and bits of her clothes were left hanging on the bushes by the roadside clara was in her cell and asked god to help her in this hour of need and then it suddenly came to pass the twelve strong men were unable to bring agnes's body one inch further she became suddenly so heavy that she might have been of stone the men pushed and pulled her but in vain she had eaten lead the whole night said one of them grinning yet the nuns know what tastes good answered another 
but her uncle mondaldo became so furious over this unexpected obstacle that he lifted his armored fist to crush with one blow the contumacious girl's head but it came to pass that he too was petrified and stood powerless with lifted but helpless arm meanwhile clara came to the scene and the half-dead agnes was abandoned to her the family made no further attempt to prevent the two young girls from following their vocation later the third sister beatrice joined them and after favorino's death ortolana also the convent of sant'angelo could in the nature of things be only a temporary abode for clara and agnes they were not benedictines did not wear the benedictine habit and did not follow the rule of saint benedict francis in order to find a convent for them sought his old benefactors the camaldolites of monte subasio and who could paint his joy when these monks who had already given him portiuncula and who on april twenty second twelve twelve had given to the city of assisi the ancient temple of minerva changed into a merry church as it is seen still on the city market-place now showed themselves willing to give him san damiano and the little convent belonging to the church with some few sisters clara took possession of the building within whose walls she for forty-one years as her biographer says with the blows of the scourge of penance should break open the alabaster vase of her body so that the whole church was filled with her soul's perfume for here it is that the life of prayer and labor of poverty and joy which i have called the flower of franciscanism unfolded itself the example which clara had given worked in a wide circle there seems to have been among women in that time a desire lying torpid for a life above the plane of the senses which is so well symbolized by the white walls of the cloister maidens who were not yet bound to the world hastened to san damiano to live there with her those whose attachment to their families did not permit this sought in secrecy to live as much of a convent life as possible noble ladies devoted their dowries to the building of cloisters into which they themselves entered in sackcloth and ashes to do penance for their past lives marriage was no impediment for man and wife went each to his own the man to francis and the woman to clara the conditions of entrance into san damiano were the same as for the entrance into portiuncula to give all possessions to the poor the convent could take nothing that must always be the fortified tower of the highest poverty as clara with a warlike turn in the spirit of the time expresses it the life of the sisters was the same as that of the brothers work and begging while some remained at home and worked others went out and begged from door to door almost all the paragraphs of the forma vivendi the rule of life which francis now wrote for the sisters are devoted to these few points and whose principal contents were the obligation to evangelical poverty apparently by the intermediation of francis innocent the third gave his approval to this rule 
even more formally than he had approved the brother's rule as clara first in twelve fifteen by francis's express command took the position as abbess in san damiano it is not too bold an hypothesis to place the pope's approval of the sister's rule in this year hitherto francis had been able to be the head of both orders and their leader but before rome clara had to stand as the superior of the sisters just as francis of the brothers innocent the third is said to have written with his own hand the first lines of the remarkable privilegium paupertatis so different from the privileges for which courts are usually importuned by which he accords to clara and her sisters the right to be and to remain poor as clara shared francis's feeling about poverty as the foundation of christian perfection in conformity with the words you cannot serve god and mammon so did she also share francis's ideas about work in spite of her dignity as abbess it was she who most often served at table poured water over the other sisters hands and waited upon them rather than ask others to do for her she would do things for herself she personally took care of the sick and drew back from no work however repugnant when the other sisters came home from outside the convent it was clara who would wash their feet at night she would get up and put the covering on the sisters who had uncovered themselves in sleep and were liable to become chilled francis often sent sick and weak people to san damiano where clara took care of them and sometimes cured them when it was she who was sick she would not stop working as soon as it was possible she would sit up in bed with a cushion behind her back and embroider altar raiment thus she made in francis's own spirit over fifty pairs of altar cloths of the kind called corporals and sent them laid into silk envelopes to the churches upon the mountains and on the plain as she surpassed the other sisters by her good example in her works so was it also in her religious life when compline's the last prayer for the day in the breviary was over clara stayed long before the crucifix the same whose voice francis had heard and before the little flame which in all catholic churches burns night and day in the perpetual lamp before the sacrament of the altar here she gave herself up to the sympathetic contemplation of the sufferings of the saviour here she prayed the crucis officium the prayers in honour of the cross of christ which francis had arranged and taught her but notwithstanding all this she was up in the morning before all the others herself waked the sisters lit the lamps and rang the bell for early mass at the same time she did not spare her body which by nature was full-blooded and strong her bed was in the first period in san damiano a bundle of vine twigs her pillow a log of wood later she lay upon leather with an uncomfortable pillow under her head and finally by francis's express command upon a sack of straw he it was also who forbade her in lent and on st martin's fast to eat only on three weekdays and then only bread and water a custom she had originally started 
he had bishop guido order her as a matter of duty to eat daily at least one and a half ounces of bread it was perhaps on account of the prohibition of this severe fasting that in compensation she for a while wore a garment of pigskin with the bristles inside which garment she later exchanged for a penitential belt of haircloth when she returned from church after having prayed there for a long time her face seemed to shine and the words she spoke were full of joy once she was so seized by the significance of the holy water as a symbol of the blood of christ that she sprinkled the sisters with it all day and pleadingly exhorted them never to forget the rivers of salvation that flowed from the wounds of christ one monday thursday evening she was absorbed in spirit and could not be waked for twenty-four hours why are the lights still burning she asked as she awoke is it not yet day one christmas night she lay sick and could not follow the other sisters to church but heard in her bed the whole divine service in the convent church of san francesco and saw the child jesus in the christmas crib there it could be no secret to francis in how high a degree he was an object of admiration to clara and the other sisters and that a part of their religious feeling was intertwined with his personality to turn the sisters from this and direct their hearts to god alone he imperceptibly yet in adequate degree withdrew into the background his visits to san damiano which at first had been frequent became little by little of rare occurrence this action at last attracted the attention of his disciples and they assigned as a reason for it a lack of kindness to the sisters francis explained to them his reason that he did not wish to stand between them and christ for no consideration would he encourage the purely personal devotion to the priest or individual once he had agreed to come to san damiano and preach clara was greatly devoted to sermons when pope gregory the ninth at a subsequent time wished to prohibit the franciscans from preaching in this convent she impeded this prohibition by sending the brothers away also who after the closure was in force at san damiano about twelve nineteen went from door to door and begged for the sisters if we have to go without spiritual bread we can even go without bodily bread also she declared and the pope was obliged to take off his prohibition now francis had permission to go to the sisters and preach and all were glad not only at hearing god's word but also at seeing their spiritual father and guide francis entered the church and stood for a while with uplifted eyes absorbed in prayer then he turned to some of the sisters who were serving in the sacristy and asked for some ashes when the ashes were brought francis made a circle with them around himself and what was left over he strewed upon his own head then only did he break the silence not to preach but only to recite the fiftieth psalm of david the great penitential psalm miserere when he had said it to the end he went quickly away he had taught the sisters to see in him nothing but a poor sinner in sackcloth and ashes 
to the same order of thought may the tale be referred which is preserved for us in the fioretti of how saint clara eat with saint francis and his brothers in santa maria degli angeli it reads thus when saint francis was in assisi he several times visited saint clara and gave her many salutary admonitions and she had so strong a desire to eat with him and asked him so many times about it but he would not grant her the favor but the brothers who had knowledge of this desire of saint clara said to saint francis father it seems to us that this thy strictness is not after the divine precept of charity that thou wilt not yield to saint clara who is so holy and pleasing to god in so little a thing as it is to eat together with thee especially when thou thinkest that she on account of thy preaching has left the kingdom and glory of the world and even if she asked for a greater favor than this is thou shouldst give it for she is thy spiritual plant then saint francis replied you think then that i should accede to her his brothers answered yes father we think that thou owest her this favor and comfort then saint francis said since it seems so to you it seems so to me but for her greater comfort i will have this meal occur in santa maria degli angeli here as she has been long shut up in san damiano it will please and strengthen her to see santa maria where her hair was cut off and where she was betrothed to jesus christ and there we will eat together in god's name and when the day for the meal came saint clara left her convent with a companion and was taken by the brothers to santa maria degli angeli and she made a devout reverence before the altar of the virgin mary where her hair had been cut off and where she had taken the veil and then they took her around to see the convent until the meal should be served and meanwhile saint francis had the table laid upon the naked earth as was his custom and when meal-time came saint francis and saint clara sat down together and one of the brothers with the companion of saint clara and next all the other brothers and they humbly took their places at the table and with the first dish saint francis began to talk of god so lovingly with such depth so wonderfully that the divine fullness of love descended upon him and all were enraptured in god and while they were thus transported with eyes and hands lifted towards heaven the people in assisi and betona and in the other neighboring towns saw that santa maria degli angeli and the whole convent and woods which then were at the side of the convent seemed to be in a great blaze and it looked as if there was a great conflagration both in the church and convent and woods and people from assisi came running down there in haste to put out the fire for they really believed that everything was on fire but when they came to the convent and saw that there was no fire they went in and found saint francis and saint Clare and all the others transported unto god around the poorly furnished table then they understood that there had been a divine fire and no material one when god had let himself be seen there as a token to indicate and reveal the divine fire of love with which the souls of the brothers and sisters were inflamed 
and they went away with great comfort in their hearts and with great edification if clara thus showed herself before francis as the weak woman who was one that longed for comfort and encouragement she was in her relations to the sisters the strong woman the one who protected and defended the others it was not for nothing that she was of old warrior blood this was seen on the two occasions when san damiano was besieged by frederick the second's soldiers during his war with the pope this ruler had made an incursion into the papal states and had with some degree of cunning used his mussulman archers to whom the papal excommunication was an object of indifference from the elevated mountain fortification nocera only a few miles from assisi these saracens had darted out like wasps down over the valley of spoleto and one fine day they attacked also the convent of san damiano if the mussulman entered the sisters had not only death to fear but also dishonor they gathered trembling around claire who as so often lay sick without losing courage she had herself carried to the locked door so as to be the first who would be exposed to the danger next she had the silver and ivory ciborium brought from the church in which the sacrament of the altar in the form of bread was preserved and sank down in prayer to the saviour it then seemed to her that from the ciborium a voice issued like a child's and this voice said i will always be your guardian strengthened and confident she rose from her prayers and soon after the saracens gave up the attack and went elsewhere in another way clara showed her indomitable spirit when in twelve twenty the news reached italy of the death of the first five franciscan martyrs in morocco clara was so inspired that she wanted also to go to the heathen to suffer martyrdom with her sisters and only an express prohibition of francis prevented her from carrying out this plan perhaps it was in the war she waged with the pope himself that she might remain true to her vow of poverty that she showed herself most inflexible and most heroic over and over again her good friend Eugeline, who in twelve twenty seven became pope with the name gregory the ninth sought with the best intentions to force upon her and her convent some property on which they could live in peace and quiet like other nuns she steadfastly refused and he said that if it was only for the sake of the promise she had made he had power to release her from it holy father was her answer free me from my sins but not from following our lord christ two days before her death she obtained from innocent the fourth the perpetual ratification of the right of her and her sisters to be and to remain poor unlike francis and in spite of the austere life she led clara lived to an old age she died in her sixtieth year after forty-one years of convent life in that time one great sorrow had reached her this was francis's death in twelve twenty six as he lay at the last in the little poor sick cell down back of portiuncula a message came from clara that she wished to see him once more 
but st francis sent word back and said to one of the brothers go and say to sister clara to give up all trouble now she cannot see me but she must know this for certain that before her death both she and the sisters shall see me and take great comfort therefrom and then francis died but the day after his death the citizens of assisi came and took his lifeless body and along with the brothers carried it up to assisi with hymns and songs of praise with the blare of trumpets and with olive branches and lighted candles in their hands and in the early october morning as the violet mist still lay on the plain like a mighty sea they ascended the sunlit heights by san damiano the funeral escort stopped and the bier with the lifeless body was taken into the church so near to the grated window of the sisters that they could see their dead spiritual father for the last time and after the grating through which the maidservants of the lord were wont to receive the sacred host and to hear the word of god was passed by the brothers lifted this holy body up from the bier and held it in their raised arms in front of the window so long a time as my lady clare and the other sisters wished it for their comfort the speculum perfectionis tells us the little church now echoed the notes of sorrow and farewell of grief and woe for who would not be moved to tears as thomas of chelano when even the angels of peace wept so bitterly years passed and clara still lived francis was gone but his near friends leo angelo brother juniper came frequently to san damiano and together with them clara buried herself in memories of the time when the master still lived also brother giles who otherwise always as bernard of quintavalle tells us sat in his cell like a maiden in her room gave clara now and then a visit and it was during one of these that the following real franciscan trade occurred an english franciscan who was a doctor of theology stood in the pulpit in san damiano and gave a sermon which with all his learning seems to have been very different from the words that used to be heard from this place out of the mouth of francis of assisi all felt it and suddenly brother giles raised his voice and called out be still master and i will preach the English doctor stopped speaking, and Giles began, in the heat of the Spirit of God, says the old legend. Then he resigned the pulpit to the former preacher again, and the latter continued. But Clara rejoiced over this, she said, more than if she had seen the dead brought to life again, for this was what our most holy father Francis wanted, that a doctor of theology should have enough humility to be silent when a lay brother wished to speak in his stead the time came at last when the call of death was heard also by saint clara for all of twenty-eight years she had been more or less a victim of sickness and in the fall of twelve fifty two she felt that her death was near but as yet her life's work was incomplete she had not obtained the final unrestricted ratification of her privilege of poverty exactly at this time innocent the fourth returned from lyon 
whither he had fled before the army of frederick the second the excommunicated emperor died in twelve fifty in fiorenzuola and in september twelve fifty two the pope took up his residence in perugia as soon as the papal court came to rest in the umbrian capital the sister's well-wisher and protector cardinal Reynaud, later pope alexander the fourth visited san damiano here he gave clara the sacrament of the altar and she begged him imploringly to obtain the ratification of the privilege from the pope the pope came with his court the next year to assisi he visited clara on her sickbed and when she as is the custom wanted to kiss his foot he set it on a stool so that she could do what she wished she then prayed for the blessing of the pope and for complete absolution of her sins would to god my daughter that i had as little need of god's forgiveness as you said innocent with a sigh after his departure clara said to the sisters who were collected around her praise the lord my daughters this morning i received himself and now i too have been considered worthy to see his vicar on earth after this the sisters never left clara's bedside agnes who for thirty years had been separated from her sister as abbess of monticelli convent near florence knelt weeping by her bed day after day the dying saint lay there for over two weeks she had eaten nothing but still felt strong her confessor exhorted her to be patient since i learned to know the grace of my lord jesus christ from god's servant francis she answered no pain and no penance has been too great for me and no sickness too hard she then sent messengers to her friends in portiuncula to leo angelo and juniper telling them that they could read the story of our lord's passion to her they came and brother leo knelt by the bed and kissed weeping the hard sack of straw brother juniper opened his bundle of news from god angelo comforted the weeping sisters then it was that clara was heard to lift her voice in the tearful silence go forth without fear she said thou hast a good guide for the road go forth without fear for he who created thee has also sanctified thee he has always protected thee he has loved thee tenderly as a mother loves her child o lord i praise thee because thou hast created me clara ceased her prayers and lay quiet a while with open eyes whom art thou talking to at last one of the sisters asked her i am speaking answered clara solemnly with my blessed soul and do you not see she added a moment later do you not see the king of glory whom i now behold with eyes blinded with tears all watched the dying one but clara saw them no longer she constantly watched the chamber door and behold the door opened and in white clothes with golden bands around their shining hair a flock of heavenly virgins entered who had come to take clara to the eternal fatherland one of them was taller and more beautiful than the others and her golden hair shone so that the dark cell was made more brilliant than the brightest day 
and the beautiful shining lady stepped out from the crowd of maidens to the bed of clara bent down over the dying one embraced her and hid her as it were under a veil of light in the arms of mary under the folds of the shining luminous robe of the queen of heaven clara's soul went up to everlasting glory but between the stiffening hands the dead saint held the pope's bull sent two days before the final solemn ratification of the right of clara and of her sisters to live after the franciscan ideal san damiano's convent is still standing almost as clara and her sisters left it here is the little narrow choir where they prayed their office along the walls are seats polished by wear made of old rough woodwork and in the middle of the creaking wooden floor the old desk with the great book of antiphons lying open on it here is shown one of the bells clara used when the sisters were to be called to prayer the tin cup out of which she drank after she had received the sacrament of the altar the breviary brother leo wrote for her and out of which she prayed daily and the copper reliquary given her by innocent the fourth here too we see the refectory where gregory the ninth was her guest and where she by the command of the pope blessed the rolls of bread while on each roll as she blessed it a cross appeared here we see clara's little narrow low bedroom here we visit finally her so-called garden a small strip of flagged ground between two high walls but from this bit of terrace there opens between the two walls as if through the proscenium of a theatre a beautiful view over the lovely umbrian land one sees rivo torto portiuncula the white roads the olive-grown fields the little town of Batona over in the blue mountains the garden proper consists of only a sort of wide terrace filled with earth in which flowers are growing and as the old tradition goes clara would permit only three kinds of flowers here lilies which are the symbol of purity violets the symbol of humility and roses which signify the love of god to man end of book two chapter five